1: At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
2: This time of day, it's hello and welcome to Program 7 in this series of the fastest show on
1: earth. (laughs)
2: Now, right. program eight. three times a week. The latest to arrive is Flower of the West, or the Lone Hydrangea. In this excerpt from the film, Tex Johnson, six foot three in the saddle, five foot two on the ground, and four foot six in his socks, is determined to die with his boots on. Oh, Mr. Johnson, Mr. Johnson,
3: are you going to find a classy brother? Yes, sir, I am. Mr. Johnson, are you going to find a classy bourbon single? Yes, uh, sir, you bet I am. Well, Mr. Johnson, the boys want me to give you something for them to remember you by. What is it, Clem? A tombstone.
4: <laughs> well, it's kind of appropriate. I'm a religious man. My father was a canon.
3: Yeah, you son of a gun. Still, I guess, Mr. Johnson, you got to go out and face them. All five of them. you got to stand up and fight, and you'll never be able to look yourself in the face again. Go on, Johnson, get out there. you got to fight for yourself, or else you got to run.
1: All right. All run.
2: Right. But Johnson does return for this exciting climax, which contains some of the best-written dialogue in the film. Yes, wonderful, powerful stuff. My favorite moment was the end. <laughs> but just before that, there's a beautiful final scene with the heroine.
5: You we'll must
4: be moseying along now, Miss Crawford. Guess we had some good times together.
5: Yes, again, Tex.
4: We had some bad times together?
5: Right. <laughs> Till I'll never forget you, Mr. Crabtree. Johnson. Sorry. Guess I'll never forget you, Mr. Johnson.
4: Thank you, Miss Crawford.
5: You can call me Susan.
4: That's a relief. I never could stand Mary Lou.
5: Well, so long, Tex. So long, Susan. Goodbye,
4: Tex. Goodbye, Susan. Tex. Susan. Uh, say, uh, which way is the sunset?
2: Flower of the West. Which brings us on to studio news. Many of you probably heard the sad news this week. If you didn't... Here's Clifton Weaver to tell you about it. This week, Clarence Rock, born Clarence Rock in 1910, died quietly in his sleep, the poor son of a millionaire who reached the top. Some of his critics claimed that Clara, as we used to call him, was not quite masculine enough for the screen. What nonsense. It is true he always asked for a stuntman to play his love scenes, but but this was because of his height or rather lack of height for whenever he acted he needed to stand on three orange boxes and as he put it you need to be a stuntman sweetie to play a love scene on three orange boxes and Clarence though stunted was no stuntman Clara's greatest year was probably 1938 when he won an Oscar as best actor of the year for his portrayal of Julius Caesar what a fine achievement this was especially as you'd already won the best actress award as Caesar's wife (sighs) yes we will remember you Clarence Rock Thank you, Clifton. The Wapping Film Festival ended today. Alex Tideway reports from Moscow. The curtain has fallen, the players are gone, gone to each other's homes and beds. The black clocks are in mourning the evening as darkness falls helplessly to the ground. The critics are dispersed, and for many of them, this is the end. The end of another film festival. For in fact, today, the festival ended. Ended here today, as quick the curtains fell, the lights went out, the bunting came down On another triumph, or was it? Who knows? For though this is the end, in another very real sense, it's only the beginning. Or not, it's difficult to say. It's difficult to talk about this week, which marks the start of another week and the close of the last. It's difficult and dull. In my end, it's is my beginning, said F.W. Jack, somewhat wittily, and he was off his head,
1: alas.
3: (laughs) And that,
2: from Wapping, is it for another year. The glitter has faded, the noise has died, the curtain has fallen, the pumas have winnowed away, the bunting has come down, the gondoliers have crumbled, the rubbish has been eaten, the cashier has been flayed, and Edward II had a painful death. happens, we can be sure of one thing. Today, the whopping film festival ended. <laughs> Probably. The latest musical to hit London is The Sound of Monks, <laughs> which uh, opened for five years last Tuesday. This injects into a rather hackneyed theme of a singing monk the ingredients of a spy movie. Sex, dope, unwanted pregnancy, all of which the hero experiences.
1: <laughs> The
2: hero of the film is Brother Louis. The girl he loves, Teresa, is, unbeknown to him, a plain nun. <laughs> the climax of the film comes where the strike at the mill threatens to get out of hand. Teresa, temporarily blinded through guilt at her treatment of Joshua, threatened by the flames from the body of the cruel mill owner and cowering from the bullets of the mob, suddenly calms everybody. Brother
3: Louis. Yes, Teresa. Hold my hand. I'm holding it, Teresa. Play the guitar. I can't. Why not? You're holding
5: my hand. <laughs> Sing us a sentimental, irrelevant song, Louis. Of course. Did you do that for the guitar?
3: Yes. It's a miracle. Anything's possible on a soundtrack. Oh, I feel so sad and unimportant. No, 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 no. Then I'll tell you how to make yourself happy and on top of the world. Oh, good. Whenever a monkey's feeling sunk, and the sky above is black, no matter how much he tells his bees, they always answer back. Well, then he will pick his Latin dictionary off the shelf, and after a while he begins to smile as he mutters to himself. Antibelum laudidata amamutatorum. If the people stare at you, you simply must ignore them. I suppose it has a meaning, but I'm really not too sure. antibellum laudidata amamutatorum. Nay, I'm celibate forever. But then she held me near and whispered in my ear.
5: Antebellum laudodata amamutatorum.
3: And now we celebrate together. Oh, Antebellum amamutatorum. When the sisters say...
4: What's all this, then? What's going on here?
5: I'm cooking your supper, John. Now, why don't you go and sit down in the lounge? Wait a
4: moment, wait a moment. What's your name?
5: I'm your wife, Mary Pulp.
4: Mary Pulp. Oh. Address?
5: Now, John, I'll bring you in supper in a moment. Why don't wait you just... a
4: chick, Wait a wait a tick. What are you doing?
5: I'm cooking. Cooking? Now, you go and sit down.
4: Are you trying to tell me what to do,
5: sir? Uh, John, darling, do you have to behave like a policeman the whole time?
4: I'm afraid so. Anyway, I'm not a policeman. I'm a spy.
5: John, please, you don't have to pretend to me. You're a policeman and you've been a policeman for 30 years. And I'm very proud of you. And you don't have to pretend that you're a spy just because that's more romantic than being a policeman.
4: I'm a spy. I'm a spy. Being a policeman is only my cover story Yes,
5: yes, all right, John, darling, you're a spy Now, you go and put your rabbit disguise on and wait for dinner
4: Uh, And I'm a famous trapeze artist
5: Well, that's very clever, John Now, why don't you go into the garden and chop the tree down again?
4: Hello? Hello? Hello, hello? Hello? What's that man under the table?
5: Oh, John, there's something I've been meaning to tell you
4: all right, let's have it then.
5: Well, John, it's a long story. You must know things between us haven't been well, what they were when we were first married.
4: Wait a moment. First married.
5: <laughs> uh, anyway, I I met Roderick six years ago, and, and and John, darling,
4: constable, if you please,
5: and constable, darling. Well, it was was destiny. The the chemistry was right. You you know how these things happen. A fusion of kindred spirits. I, I don't know what you call it. All I know, for the first time in my life, I was in love.
4: Fusion of kindred spirits. John,
5: can you listen just for once? I'm talking about us. Why do you have to write everything down?
4: Listen just for once.
5: John, I can't stand it anymore. I'm going to leave you. I am going away with Roderick.
4: Wait a moment. Wait a moment. I've broken my pencil. (laughs) How unromantic You've got to be prepared for anything if you're an international spy. You're
5: not an international spy. You're not even a policeman. What? Yes, I know. I've known for 30 years. You're not a policeman. You're a boring old chartered accountant going around dressed up as a policeman pretending you're a spy. (laughs) Everybody knows you're an accountant. How? How? The bowler hat, you fool. The bowler hat. Policemen wear helmets. Oh. And long trousers.
2: Are you 21? Are you over six feet, well-educated, good-looking, physically fit, with good vision and healthy lungs? Are you tired of your present unexciting work and think you're suited for a better job? Cocky little devil, aren't you? Tonight, by
0: special request, we have a return visit of the Tillingborn. You know how to book flights and hotels. Folk and Magical Society.
2: Here they are in a tea-time concert entitled The Tillingbourne Folk and Magical Society Sing the Blues and All That Jazz. Thank you. Wow! I just want to tell you when well, I've been working on the mood. oh yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah I've been working on the
3: mood, yes I have I've been working, working, working on the mood. Oh yeah, 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 that's what I've been doing Working on the mood, oh yeah, yeah,
5: yeah No need to shout, Mr. Audie
1: that's
3: better. I'm working on the railroad all the day. I want to go down where the is I'm going to see my snow white man. away down south in Cheltenham. We've swing at piano, Mr. Lee. Holy mackerel and a couple of tea. in Out oh, yes. yes.
1: Possibly.
2: <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we present another week instalment. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs>
2: sorry, I'll read it again. Another week's instalment of our serial. You'll pay for this? Why? It's an HP instalment. Be that as it may, the story you're about to hear is true. Only the facts have been changed to make it more interesting. We present part seven... That's a serial number. ...of our three-part serial, The Curse of the Flying Wombats. Oh, not again. Yeah. Of Hurricane Flossie. Oh. There they were in the middle of the tempest.
1: and oh, crack your cheeks, don't you, Hurricanos?
2: No, that's King Lear. Oh, I'm the King Lear. Oh, there no, you're no. not. Oh, yes, I am. As the storm rises, Captain Otto Cleese makes a last desperate entry in his logbook. Dear logbook,
4: <laughs> we can't go on a meeting, I like guess.
2: Suddenly there is a tumultuous thunderclap. Do be upon us, we do be done for. Oh, Captain, she's a terrible storm, a terrible storm. Yes, I know, these sound effects aren't what they used to be. <laughs> oh, it stopped. And so we were saved. <laughs> Next morning, as we sailed peacefully over the waters of the mid-Atlantic, there came a cry from the lookout. the whole ship was in confusion. Down in her cabin, the sudden jolt hurled Lady Constance from her bunk. (coughs) (coughs) Auntie, are you all right?
5: (coughs) What happened, Lady Constance?
1: (coughs) Oh, oh, well, I was having this beautiful dream were just the two of us. And suddenly, there I was on the floor. A fallen woman. <laughs> it
5: must have been terrible in here, Tim, darling. Look at the debris scattered round the cabin. That's grumbling. I fell on him.
2: <laughs> Up on deck, the whole crew clustered round the captain. Clustered,
1: clustered, clustered.
3: Clustered. Where
2: are we, Captain? Oh, surely you recognise this place. The great icebergs, the penguins, the polar bear, the friendly people in their fur coats rushing out of their igloos to welcome us. Why, it's, uh, um... <laughs> wastes, hundreds of them. (laughs) Come, my dear, what's your name? Lucy. And you? Lucy. And you? Lucy. 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 You know what this means? Not. Yes, it's a (laughs) Lucy (laughs) nation. So, we landed on the coast of Zanzibar and decided to make our way to Kathmandu on foot. Or rather, for all of us except Grimling, on feet.
1: Kathmandu! Kathmandu!
2: Before we set off there, there was something vital we had to know. Excuse me, which way is Kathmandu? Never heard... <laughs> Never heard of it, mate. Obviously we needed help, so we decided to get to know the locals. But it was still half an hour before opening time since... <laughs> so we visited the bazaar and mingled with the street criers.
1: <laughs> oh,
3: what's the matter with you? You want to buy sexy new by our slave girl?
2: Uh, no, no, we're looking for a native bearer.
3: You don't get natives much better than this. <laughs> Hello.
2: Oh, how are you, dear? Yes, I thought so.
4: Come, please look elsewhere.
2: Excuse me, I wonder if I can help. Why, how much are you? (laughs) Oh, no, no, I'm Colonel Clutch Felling Hall, the local military attache. The military what? Attaché,
1: attaché. All
2: fall down. down. (laughs) We're wasting time. Colonel, will you accompany me? Oh, it's certainly, yes. Oh, Uh, Thank you, you play very well. Tell me, Captain, what are you going to look for? Uh, Something all men desire. King Solomon's mine? That's all right, you can have him. We're after the green eye of the little yellow dog. Now we must gather supplies for the trip. Have you got a quartermaster? Yes, that's him lying over there. But he's almost dead. Well, he's more of a half master. <laughs> here, here. Come here, my man, and show us what you're selling. Captain, Captain, look
3: at the supply keeper.
2: Good heavens, it's a Chinaman.
3: I am a wong, I saw. Oh. And this is my brother. Ha, <laughs> ha. He, uh,
2: he has a wong, too. Uh, never mind. Will you come with us on our journey? Would you repeat the question? Ninety pounds a week. A pleasure. <laughs> So the little band set out. Eleven souls alone in the jungle. Eleven souls venturing into the pit of this wilderness from which only twelve would emerge alive.
5: Oh, Timsy Whimsy, I'm exhausted. For the last three hours we've been struggling onwards, hacking our way through the bush. Well, it's a very large bush. <laughs> oh, Timmykin, I can't stand it. The dreadful heat, the thorns, the agony of every step we take. Struggling onward, ever onward. I can't stand it, darling. I can't stand it. I tell you, it's terrible, terrible. I can't go on much longer.
3: You've gone on quite long enough.
5: And... <laughs> oh, what's that? Shh. I think they're water. No, listen.
1: He's
2: ready. Oh, they must be kettle drivers. Oh. Oh.
1: Oh, look. Look over there. Oh, a huge, big looming out of
3: the undergrowth. Who, who is it? Who's there?
4: Oh, no. fancy meeting you, I do. <laughs> In the muddle of the jingle. <laughs> it's
1: it's
3: Master Wilkins.
4: Yeah, yeah, and I've been trailing you through this impenetrable ferret.
1: <laughs>
4: I mean forest. No, I don't. I mean stoat. Stoat? Yeah, totally impenetrable. <laughs> you get so easily lost.
5: So you still intend to beat us to the green eye of the little yellow dog?
4: Yeah, yeah, and I know where to find it. I've got a mop.
1: You mean a map?
4: Yeah, yeah, and that's how I know. What do you know? I've forgotten. <laughs> That's less. We shall meet again, and until we do, good-bye.
3: Onward, onward we strode. It was a terrible, difficult journey. I had to keep going, which didn't make it any easier. But, but, but at nightfall, we reached a little clearing in the forest. We all sat down to dine off a wild
5: boar, but the place kept falling off its back. <laughs> Maisie Robinson, the international
3: temptress, behaved disgracefully.
5: Let me tempt you, my darling. Oh, you're so beautiful, so strong, so virile.
3: Oh, you're too kind, Miss. <laughs> but suddenly someone noticed. Have you seen Lady Constance?
4: Yes, yeah, grotesque, isn't it? No, no,
2: no, what I mean is she seems to have disappeared. Oh, socks. I beg your pardon? It's all right, I seem to have dressed carelessly. <laughs> but what can I become of her? Ah! Good grief. Look over there through the trees. A giant water bowl swinging through the branches, with Lady Constance clasped in its hideous paws. Oh, 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 oh,
3: <laughs> the poor
2: creature. Yes, I hate to think what she'll do to it. Quickly. We <laughs> must go after them and get her back. I only hope we're in time. Oh, I hope so. Oh, I hope so. I hope so of Lady Constance. No. Well, is this the end of Lady Constance? Ah, that looks more like it. Tune in again next week to the swinging BBC's Wacky Station for another switched-on hippie-hippie-go-go swing-along-ding-dong-zat-azim zat zoom. <laughs> jam frit-filled, lemon rang pie, an episode of your famous hot patootie cereal. Till then, pip old things and don't miss your next ration-of-boom-sal-ca-pow- and thunk-bye! <laughs> Tune. We end another edition of I'm sorry, I'll read that again, in which you heard Brooke Taylor, John Cleese, David Hatch, Joe Kendall, and Bellotti. The scripts were by Brooke Taylor, Ian Lang, John Cleese, Graham Garden, David Hatch, Eric Idle, and Bilotti, who also wrote the songs. Musical support was provided by Dave Lee. At this point, we usually make a joke about our producer, Humphrey Barclay. Well, there's no joke like an old joke. So that's it until the same time next week. And once again, the golden voice of the nation's heartthrob will tell you. It's I'm sorry, I'll read that again. Again. <laughs> <laughs>